Well, this spoken introduction is going to be more than a spoken introduction. So thank you for bearing with me because I do need a message to be able to carry it to our shepherd in Baltimore later this afternoon. So it's not really um, as short as an introduction. It's not as long as a sermon. We'll just call it a devotion on extended time. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, serves as the basis of our meditation this morning, or our introduction. Um, a burial cloth tells the Easter story. Since Sue did take the time to include it, it's very similar to some of the other readings, but it also gives an interesting perspective. Let's listen. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, which would have been John, yeah. The other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which actually means, yes, teacher, but my master. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, she had said, that he had said these things to her. This is our Easter gospel for the morning. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. It is never an easy thing to face the grave. Human tears are so blinding of a heavenly truth. And just like us, when we bury a loved one, so too Mary this morning was not thinking real clearly on this first Easter morning. She should have had enough of the pieces of the parts of the puzzle to be able to put together what Jesus had promised what was going to happen. But that's not normally the case for human deaths or even God-man deaths. So what does she do? You can tell from the invigorated voice and probably the tears on her cheeks 
that as she goes running back to the disciples and she says to Simon Peter and to John, the disciple whom he loved, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and John must have just been gobsmacked, just shocked. Their hearts probably just started racing and they probably said something to the effect to Mary, Mary, you have got to be kidding me. We have just experienced the three worst days of our entire lives as we watched Jesus be sacrificed and killed and die right before our eyes and we watched him being carried to the tomb. My gosh, this is going from bad to worse. Are you sure? How can this possibly be? His body is nowhere. How can this possibly happen? So what do the disciples do? Peter and John get up and they go running to the tomb because they're gonna see for themselves. And they're probably confused and they're probably doing the best that they possibly can to keep their wits about them. But the whole time they're thinking, how in the world can this be happening? How can this be going on? So this morning, let's just take a walk with Peter, James, and Mary down to the tomb, and let's take a look and see how a burial cloth can tell the story about Easter. What did Peter and John expect to see when they got down to that tomb? Were they thinking to themselves, not in a chauvinistic way, because they would have said it to themselves if one of the fellow disciples had brought them the news. Did Mary just get it wrong? Did she just go to the wrong tomb and look in and it's, it's a tomb that should have been empty the whole time? What? Did the authorities go down there, the, the Jewish leadership, and open the tomb up and just stick their heads in to make sure that their evil deed was actually performed and Jesus was indeed dead and out of disrespect, they just didn't bother to close the grave up again, but really the body was gonna be there, they probably thought. Mary just got confused somehow. So what is it that Peter and John saw? Nothing, except for some grave clothes. John bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself which is a better translation of the Greek than the one we just heard translated in the 2011. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. The linen strips looked as though they had just kind of collapsed in on themselves. And you could see the spices that the women had, and Joseph of Arimathea had probably helped as well, to pack in the body. Um, but it was like the strips of linen were just lying there and it's like Jesus' body had simply just evaporated and all the linen strips just went poof. But the head cloth, <coughs> excuse me, the head cloth was neatly folded in an orderly fashion and set aside, but there was no body of Jesus. It was gone. Well, how can that be? Um, what story did these grave clothes convey? Well, you and I, it's a little after seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, and you've probably been up for a couple of hours, but we really don't need to go and find ourselves a CSI investigative team to be able to solve this mystery, do we? Uh, because we're pretty sharp sleuths, even if it is 7.15, 7.20 in the morning on a Sunday. So, 
couple of options. It is possible, and this has actually been postulated by cynics, it is possible that Jesus' body just lost so much blood and lost so many body fluids, and from the shock of the torture, his body mass just shrunk, so that his entire body just kind of went, and it became as thin as a piece of paper, and it was lying underneath those collapsed linen strips, and the disciples just didn't notice it. No. In fact, that's not even an option. That's just the dumbest option. I don't know, is that pulpit speak? It is. It's the dumbest option I've ever read in all the years I've been a pastor. Well, what are the other options? The other options are that the authorities went to Pilate and got permission to open up the grave, take the body so that there could be no spoofing, you know, make it look like he really rose, and go and rebury it somewhere else. No, that's not an option either, because why in all the world would you take the time to take the head cloth off and neatly fold it? So that's not an option. That's off the table. What's, what's another possibility? Well, there is the possibility that thieves, friend or foe thieves, had stolen the body, wanting to help give some validity to the fact that Jesus' body had actually risen, which was against the natural laws, and nobody thought it was going to happen. But that's not an option either, because if you're going to steal the body, why in all the world would you unwrap it? See, the whole reason that you wrapped a body in the first place was to keep everything contained and make it more transportable, so it was easy to move the corpse. So that's not really an option. So what's the only option that's left? Sherlock, you remove all of the other possibilities, what's ever left has to be the answer. Well, it's that little folded headcloth, neatly and orderly arranged off to the side. That's your clue. That's the explanation. That little headcloth is telling us a story. It's telling us about the Easter story. In fact, it's telling us about the greatest story that there has ever been in the history of mankind. Because grave clothes do not fold themselves. It means that Jesus had to have folded it up. Which means what? means that he's alive. It means that he's not dead. It means that he has risen from the grave just as he promised that he was going to. And so now is it possible that the disciples have noticed this and they're starting to put two and two together and their hearts are starting to race now and they're actually starting to get some cautious, cautious excitement but just a little measured disbelief like what in the world is going on here? That little burial cloth tells a lot of the Easter story. And it tells us that Satan is a big loser. It tells us that there is no ever, there's never going to be any punishment for your sins because the punishment for those sins have successfully been paid for, which means that Satan is never ever going to be able to pull the wool over your eyes and take your sins and leverage them against you before God on your judgment day. It's never going to happen. That little burial cloth, neatly folded and orderly arranged, tells a lot about the Easter story. It tells us 
that Jesus crushed that word impossible for everyone who says it's impossible for a dead body to come back to life. He crushed that word impossible and he came back to life washing away, assuring you that all of your sins have been washed away. He has promised that he was gonna rise from the grave on the third day and if he has done that, it means that all of his other promises are a slam dunk. Like the one where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. <sighs> he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. It makes standing at the grave of a loved one a little bit easier to endure. That little grave cloth neatly folded and orderly arranged tells one more thing about the Easter story. Jesus came back from death. Because I live, he says, you too shall live. Which means that your soul at your death, which we're all going to have to go through in this room and anyone who's watching this service this morning, we're going to have to go through that door of death. It means that our soul is never going to die. And then what it also means is that our body at one day is going to be raised from the grave and it's going to be glorified and it's going to be reunited body and soul where you and I are going to be able to live with Jesus forever and ever and ever. It's going to be just like Eden was designed except on steroids. It's going to be awesome. But the grave clothes tell a little bit more of the story. Mary had it in her head. Jesus was dead. Jesus had died. Jesus was not alive. But the angels say to her, as well as Jesus later in the reading you heard, said basically the same thing as a way to kind of prompt her, to nudge her, to get her to think, and maybe put some of the pieces of this mystery together, put some of the pieces of the puzzle together so she can draw a conclusion, the proper conclusion. And the angels say to her, woman, why are you crying? Now, just as a little aside, thank God Mary, when she got to the tomb, only found grave clothes and not the dead body of Jesus. Because if she had found the dead body of Jesus, she and we would be crying tears, bitter tears, for the rest of our days. But human tears are so blinding to heavenly truth. That little question from the angels, that little question from Jesus, just nudging her. It's like they're saying, Mary, dry your eyes and compose yourself and see this scene that has been prepared for your faith. And what does this scene tell you? An empty tomb, two angels, two of God's angels, linen strips, lying as they are, and then the burial cloth, neatly folded and orderly set aside. What does that say to you? Don't these things, if you put them all together, remind you of a certain promise that Jesus had made to you? On the third day, I will rise again. And sure enough, there he was, standing right behind her. Awesome. Jesus has just set the world record for enduring excruciating suffering 
um, dodging death's trap, and entering hell without being made a permanent resident. That means that Jesus is alive. So when you hear the phrase, empty tomb, no more life, it's not just a, it's not just a, a quippy little cliche and it's not fake news. Jesus comes and he calls your name through his word and he takes you by the hand and he gives you resurrection strength. He gives you resurrection mindset. And it's not a mindset where you're just like wearing rose-colored glasses and everything is lollipops and rainbow ponies. No, this resurrection mindset is this liberating mindset that you don't have to walk around in life in fear all the time. It's a liberating mindset and it's a power and motivating mindset, but it gives you this positive outlook that no matter how dark things get, The cancer diagnosis. You lose a job. Cash flow is tight. One of your children gets taken home before you. Your frustration that you have with your daily arm wrestling between your sinner side and your saint side. All of it at the end of the day is small stuff compared to the truth of this day that you have been made alive with Christ, and you will be alive with Christ forever. Thanks be to God. That's the message of Easter. I was buying some purdy chocolate yesterday for my wife and for Pastor Cuck and Abby for all their extra work and for Sue. And I was checking out and I said to the young lady, now, don't forget to go to church tomorrow. And she said, oh, no, no, I can't go to church. I said, I would, I would start burning. And I said, no, that's not the message of Easter. Easter is the fire extinguisher that puts the fire out. Pastor Getzinger, Pastor Skip Getzinger, St. Paul, Lutheran Church, King Edward and Will Broaden. 7 o'clock, she's not here. And 10.30, maybe she'll be here. But Easter is the best news that you're ever going to hear. Oh, I don't know. I said, no, you do know. You need to come and hear the message of life. You're not going to burn. It, only because of Jesus. And off I went. Came back to the office. Finished up my work. Like Mary of Magdala, like the disciples, like us, human tears can be so blinding to heavenly truth. But this little story before us this morning, this story about a grave cloth, it helps us see and think and know a whole lot more clearly than maybe we've ever noticed about one little grave cloth before. You see, the truth of the matter is that this last week we have seen Jesus wear grave clothes. And he wore those grave clothes for you. But now he wears a crown of victory. And one day you will too. In fact, let me qualify that. You're wearing a crown of victory right now. How? Why? Because Christ is risen. Yes, he is. Let God's people say amen. Amen.